Welcome, Encroachables, to part two of Horror in the Black Forest. I'll quote the rest of the letter to you here, but, like, the fog and horn in is a den of deplorable actions and despicable patrons, quote-unquote. He kind of looks, you know, looks at his regulars. <laughs> Well, you be the judge of that. I mean, it looks good to me. I mean, is there they a back room? Beseeched us. <laughs> they said, "I beseech you to come to Golhem and clean up this city." Uh, and then the, the guy signs his name, Helfen. We don't even. No one even knows who he is. He said he'd be at the docks. He's not at the docks. Like I said, we have a fair share of problem. I mean, there, there's. They call themselves the gang. I mean, they usually work down down by the docks. Uh, again, once the once the sun goes down, they're usually in here like clockwork. But most people know uh, to stay away from them. They don't really bother them. They don't. I mean, they're not stabbing people. Is there a uh, wizard or magician? And I look over at uh, Grundle. Not like that. A real magician in town. Someone who has magical abilities. Hmm. Well, uh, like I say, we get visitors from all walks of life, but uh, I mean, the, the Baron's Seneschal is very powerful. Hmm, maybe the Baron is the one who sent these notes. Someone used some kind of magic to get them to us. Maybe he's who we need to talk to. Yes. I'll walk over to the bar and catch the last part of that, and there's like a tear left on my cheek that sparkles like a star. So, we're off to see the Baron then. Grundle would like to cast Minor Illusion. And he's going to make a very slow, um, squeaking noise come from Malik's derriere. <laughs> how does it sound? I, I need to. I need to know it's sort of exactly like, how uh, it sounds. Oh, oh my! Oh, and I'll take two steps away. Oh, Malik! I look immediately at Grundle, assuming that's it's very Grundle. rude. Grundle. Strange. I never, never felt. Nothing when I've done that. The door to the inn bursts open, and Jeff appears. <laughs> Did I hear a poof? Mop in hand. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, there's no job. We we won't be needing your services, I guess. There's no need to clean up the fog and horn in today. <laughs> oh. Well, I may as well save for a drink. Cheers, brother. Another one. I to the bartender. <laughs> Another one for Geoff. Or Jeff. <laughs> it's Sorry, Jeff with a Y. Yes, yes. The bartender will get another drink. You know, uh, it's not a, so easy to get an audience with the Baron. He got to be summoned. Can't just walk in and see him. Oh, really? I can summon all sorts of things, really. I suppose <sighs> I could summon us. This wow. guy. You know, when, uh, when, when someone sees the Baron, I mean, it's, it's the talk of the town. Mm, mm. Last person was Henry. Got summoned by the Baron last month. And then what happened? Then Henry spoke to the Baron. Uh, I'm not sure what it was about, but he came out looking pretty happy. Okay, Henry. Henry lived to tell the tale. Where is this Baron? Well, of course. I mean, uh, he you know he kind of gives you again directions to to the the Baron's place. I think we should talk to Henry. Obviously, he has some knowledge of the Baron and can fill us in with information we might need. I believe Henry might be a red herring. Mm. No, Never he's, been very he's fond a human. Was he a fish? 
<laughs> if someone's paying us, that's what I care about, and if not, I guess we buy a ticket home. All, all is... I mean to say is, like, you could go and you can pound on the the noble's quarters all you want, but uh, unless you're expected, I don't think you're gonna get in. I feel like this letter might interest him. Is there um, a fence um, blocking the way into the noble's quarters? And if so, how high is it? Uh, we can throw you. It's fine. Yes. If you're planning, I don't want to have any, I don't want to be an accessory to, to anything here. So whatever you're planning, um, maybe you could take your drinks a little out of earshot so I don't get accused of uh, being part of whatever's happening right now. I'd, I'd gulp down the rest of my ale, slam it down on the bar. Jeff, tell Mr. Chum we may be needing a ride back. He needs to talk to this baron or I'm back to another paying job. And I walk out towards the out, out the door. Yep, I put my glass down and I follow. I will glare at the bartender because he owns the bearskin, owlskin, and turn on my heel and walk out after Both. Malik and Ravina. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he could have a bearskin and an owlskin, but luckily he combined them to... Uh, <laughs> So he really only had one. Well, it's all about efficiency. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Come, Grendel. Let's leave this place. <sighs> yeah, they don't really seem like my type here, anyway. So there's a as a guard. There's guards all around, right? So I'll walk up to one of the guards and say, "Excuse me, good sir. We." need to have an audience with the Baron. We've been summoned here under false pretenses, and we believe that the Baron will be able to enlighten us on on this. We have very little time, so please, take us to the Barons. Uh, so you have nothing... nothing, no, no written notice that you are to see the Baron? We the, would like uh, to see the Baron. notice that we received uh, is a private matter. Mm-hmm. He will know. If the Baron is informed that we're here, he will know. And I look look at the others. Like, don't say anything. I look up to Malik and say, Ah, so you're somewhat of a performer as well. I do not know what you mean, little one. I make no poofs. I give Grendel a noogie with my big fist. <laughs> he kind of calls over uh, a friend of his, and you see they kind of whisper back and forth. Look, I'll take you to our captain. His name's Johan Ermsford, Captain Ermsford. He'll be able to sort you out. Thank you. Thank you. And so he takes you through through the city. Basically, he's leading you towards one of the largest buildings you've seen, right? Uh, and you're walking for probably 20 or so minutes. And it's almost like you're going to, like, the other end of, of the city. This building, again, it's built, it's made of stone, but... The, the walls, they look a little higher. Uh, they look a little thicker. On the outside of it, there's, there's no windows. And the front of it is like a like an iron gate, like a wrought iron gate. It's clear that like, this is like a prison of some sort. <laughs> Great. Opens the yeah. gate for each of you to continue inside. We just go into uh, this prison, Malik? This is not looking... Um, I do an insight check on these guys <laughs> to see if they look like they're trying to... Uh, Lure us someplace that we may not want to go. Sure. Yeah, Grundle Grundle has a poof in his hand, ready to go. <laughs> Twenty-one insight. A poof. Jeff has his mom 
ready to. <laughs> clean Jeff up. is with us? No way. Jeff, I told, I told you to Jeff go back to, to the stay. show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just kind of slinks Jeffrey. away with his mop around a corner. <laughs> Disappears from sight. He's, he's got a, a great stealth. He's following us around the whole time. He'll never. So, with a 21 insight, you, I mean, you. <laughs> but the twenty—I mean, you're being led to a prison, and yeah. they said that they were going to take you to their captain. From kind of their mannerisms and the way they converse with each other, Malik, you believe that you are being taken to see the captain of the guard. It'll be okay, Rama. It's—it's Ravina. That's fine. Oh, uh, it'll be okay, Ravina. I believe they're just taking us to the the captain. Alright, I just, I don't like prisons, don't want to get into it, but, you know. You do look the type to have frequented them before. Not frequented, I've done a stint. Anyway, it's fine. It's okay, you'd be surprised at how easy it is to get out of these sorts of cells. I would love you to help us get out if we are placed in a prison cell. I can get myself out. Well, good for you. Turning into a mouse. I'll swish my cape and walk in the door. (laughs) (laughs) I think you hit a sore spot. <laughs> She's got a soft bottom. Oh, wait, that's the other guy. You walk through a, a like a couple diff, a series of gates, right? And like as you huddle into one air, a small like 10 by 10 area, gate behind you is closed as the one ahead of you is opened. A, se- a, a second small area, right? And then a third gate is opened as the second one is closed. And you're just led down, not to uh, any cells or anything, but you're led to what looks like uh, like a cluster of offices, essentially. And there is uh, comes to a door that says, Captain Urmsford. The guard kind of leading gives it a knock and can hear a muffled beckoning to, to enter from the inside. As the guard opens the door to the captain's chambers, the Captain Urmsford, like, he's on his feet and it looks like he's almost, like, expecting someone to show up. The captain immediately starts to speak. Ah, I see these are the folks who mess with the Bang Bang Gang, eh? Speaking to his guard. Uh, no, no, Captain, uh, no, that, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Excuse me? What's... Please, please, come in, come in. The Captain kind of waves, waves you in, and will wave off his, uh, off the guard. So then the guard closes the office door behind the four of you. I apologize, uh... Apparently things didn't go as planned uh, for your arrival into the city. I'm Captain Johan Ermsford, uh, and you four are? Ravina Emberhart, uh, I'm also confused. No one seems to know who Helfam Lulgung is, and we feel like we've been lured here under false pretenses. Sorry, uh, That's That's because you have. Helfum G. Lulgung does not exist. We gathered. I knew it. Ha! Does the money involved in us coming here exist? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, please. Um, I'll take you to see the Baron. I'll let I'll let the Baron explain. I'm just following orders myself. We expected things to go a little differently. Um, there was a small town, small time gang that the Baron was hoping. You would take care of for him by happenstance to put you into the same space. Look, it's all right if it didn't happen that way. The main thing is to keep your visit with the Baron quiet. And these were the Bang Bangers? You expected us to get jumped. Well, uh, yes. 
And you expected us to just randomly kill a group of people? Well, I mean, we didn't know if you would kill. I mean, I had no way of knowing who would respond to the letters. So there were more letters? Look, look, okay, the, the, the Baron will explain. I don't have the full story. The Baron can explain everything. Please, uh, let's just go through. There's back end exit to the to the prison. We'll, I'll take you to see the Baron himself. Yes, plausible deniability. Bring someone in to kill your problem so you don't get blamed for it. I understand. I do not like to be jerked around like this. Urmsford, like I said, I'm Ravina, Malik, Grundle, Dandelion. Introductions have now been made. The Baron obviously knows who we are. Does he? Can we see him? Oh, I'm, I'm sure that the Baron has no idea who the four of you are. He simply was expecting someone to show up. At least he hoped. I... We were chosen. Who sent the notes? I don't believe we were. Ravina, read the writing on the wall. Random notes were sent out in hopes somebody would show up and take care of their little problem. We've been used. That's... that's the truth. I, I'm afraid that is the truth. But, but, but look at us. Uh, point to me and Malik. It's like, you obviously chose, high, like, mercenaries for hire. Yes, 50% of your choices were good. Yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't choose anybody. <laughs> Look, take okay. us to the Baron. Stop. Just everybody stop. Just take us to the Baron. Yes, that's what I'm in the process of doing, if you would let me do so. And he kind of. Sh- it's, a, it's a small office. He kind of shuffles <laughs> the four of you through the door. He can't quite get past <laughs> the group of you. <laughs> Grundle uh, leaves a small flower on his desk as he leaves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Malik shakes his head again. Okay, so you're taken, again, through kind of this uh, office room area and outside another kind of series of, of gates. Not the same ones you came in through, but basically out into essentially the... the there's like 10 feet of area between the wall of the prison and then the perimeter fence of the city now. You're like on the very outskirts of Gullham. And essentially, the captain just kind of leads you around just out of sight of the main streets into the the back of a cluster of more stone stone buildings and you're you're brought into what looks like kind of a a a waiting room in front of like an elaborate set of giant double doors Uh, there are guards posted outside of these doors and he kind of just holds up a finger let me quickly pop in introduce you uh, now that I have your names thank you as he kind of motions to Ravina and then again the the Baron will sort everything out like I, I'm sorry I certainly wouldn't I wouldn't have handled it this way uh, if it were my choice but thank you for cooperating uh, and not putting up too much of a fuss you obviously would have chose me first of all I'm telling you as far as I know it was really random <sighs> the Jeez. big cre- you know the, the the guards outside of the double doors kind of gives the captain captain Ernstford a nod captain disappears in door closed behind you kind of hear the muffle of voices uh you know like 20 30 seconds maybe of exchange and then the captain comes back to the doors ushers you inside so you're led into what's clearly what looks like this this elegant throne room as there are two figures at the end of it, uh, like 50 feet long, this room with with large marble columns, 40 foot ceiling, tapestries hanging on every every wall, like almost covering every square inch of this wall. 
and there is a man and a woman seated in very uh, fancy looking chairs again the the chairs themselves are not made of wood though they do look like they're stone um still cushioned to made to be made somewhat comfortable but not crafted from any type of, of wood uh the baron himself uh seems to be a handsome man in his 50s with gray at the temples of his black hair and aquiline features he's clad in white robes of his office with a violet sash trimmed in gold the baroness is a stunning woman who looks to be in her mid-thirties. Like the Baron, she has raven black hair, though hers shows no sign of gray. Her dark eyes seem to look right through those upon whom she gazes, and her delicate features are nothing short of enthralling. She wears a violet gown that matches the Baron's robes. Her sash is white trimmed with silver. Both the Baron and Baroness show clear signs of distress and concerns on their face. Behind them, the Baron's Seneschal, who is a plain-looking man with sandy blonde hair, stands five feet back from, from their throne. He is dressed in simple gray robes and holds a great book. In his other hand is a fountain pen, which he holds at the ready to scribe the ongoing proceedings. The Baron speaks. Ah, welcome, welcome, welcome. Please, please, approach, approach. Yes, this is much more what I'm used to seeing, uh, aside from the coldness of the stone and no warmth of, of wood, but it's very luxurious, it's very welcoming. Well, I thank you for the compliments. We like it quite a bit, as he kind of, you know, grasps the Baroness's hand and gives it a light squeeze. I'm glad you could come so quickly. I'm sorry for the lies that brought you here. The captain has made you aware of what has gone down. Would be nice for some clarity. That you misled your position and got, lured us here in order to take, potentially kill people that uh, we have no current quarrel with. We're confused. I, first of all, like look, I look at me and Malik. Uh, like we look like we were chosen, and then come to find out it's random. Like we are mercenaries for hire. You know, Ravina, the most confusing part is how you got the letters into the pockets with a popping I, sound. Yeah, you're so enthused by the magical popping sound. It's great. Baron, what is happening? Your city seems fine. Yes, the city itself is thriving. And I, I assure you, each of you are hand-selected for your particular set of skills. I hope that's true. Guess we'll see. The reason for the subterfuge is our son. He's gone missing. In the late hours last night. Hasn't even been 24 hours? It does not. It's as grave a situation as ever could be. And again, my thanks for your responses as quickly as you've done so. But a chambermaid found my son's quarters empty, where he should have been in his bed. The window cast open. How old is your son? Judging by your advanced age, I'd say he is old enough to wander the city by himself. For less than 24 hours. It, was... it can't be too old. Look at the Baroness. I usually don't take a job unless it's 24 hours or more. Well, time is of the essence in these kind of things. Yes, but it's for 40-year-olds, not so quite so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid, uh... 
I am about to dismiss all of you. This is... <laughs> I, can't, I cannot take this. I, I understand. You hand-selected us. <laughs> well, I will cut off the hand that selected you. <laughs> but you haven't even let me perform one of my tricks yet. Uh, our son, Victor, he's not but 12 years old. This is why him being missing is should not have happened. This window cast open, no other signs of a struggle. Do you expect he's been kidnapped or wandered off into the forest? What kind of 12-year-old are we talking? Like someone with some street smarts and like skills? Or are we talking like blubbering fool? Victor has some challenges. He's been coddled. Uh, my wife and I, we admittedly, we, we, we've, we've coddled him in his, his 12 years uh, he, he's not ready to be anywhere on his own. His room is situated in, in our tallest tower. He, he could not have climbed out of the window by himself. How long is his hair? Well, uh, we keep him well-groomed. <laughs> Just checking all the options. I'm very confused. Do you have an obvious enemy that would want to take your child, this Victor? No, uh, no obvious enemies. But I'm not sure how familiar you all are of Gullhem and the surrounding territory. None. <laughs> Slightly. From what I can tell, it seems to be surrounded by um, woods on three sides and water on the fourth. It's very astute. Sky can regurgitate info. Thank you. The forest does look thick and dark. It's just the way we like it. The Blackwood Forest... People do not enter the Blackwood Forest. And what is wrong with the forest? Those that enter are never seen again. Dark creatures live inside the woods. Some rangers can survive. Well, I hope that is true. And you feel that your you feel that your son Victor may be in the forest. What leads you to believe this? Can we see his room where he was taken? Search for evidence. I don't believe that is necessary. Uh, and he kind of waves to his seneschal. When Victor was young, we applied a magical tattoo devised by my seneschal here, Jerome, that allows us to locate him. To violate his privacy, yes. So why are we here? Well, as I will show you, in the, and Jerome uh, produces like kind of, it's kind of like a, a craggle. It looks like a twig. Uh, it's about maybe nine or ten inches long. The Seneschal uh, produces this and says, This is a mystical divining rod. His Highness was marked with a small magical tattoo when he was an infant. That tattoo binds him to this rod. And when the holder concentrates on the boy, it will point towards the boy's location. The Baron, the Baroness, and myself have all held it. And all of us felt the pull towards the black. Does one need to know the child for this magic to work? Not at all. A simple description of the boy. And yes, we will bring you to his room and perhaps you can handle some of his possessions. You'll be able to use it just fine. Hmm. These woods are pretty risky. I feel like the price has gone up in my mind. It's a little different than uh, fog and whatever in. 
Yes, I'd like some clarity on the amount of money that we're talking here. And, uh, we talking, like, alive. Like, you want him returned alive. Obviously they want him alive! I'm... Of course! If he's dead, do you want him returned as well? Okay. This is their child you're speaking of! I have been on these jobs before. You have to clarify. We will find your son and bring him home to you. The Baroness speaks up. Thank you. Thank you ever so dearly. Yes. Or his remains. We will we can bring his remains. And you see, <sighs> she, like her eyes begin to well up. I'm sure he's fine. We will find him and we will bring him back. Okay. If Victor has perished, yes, please return him to us. We just want him back. And whoever took him will pay. Uh, that's for sure. Whoever took him is dead. I cast Gust to blow wind directly into uh, Ravina's face. What did you blow? I cast Gust, and I blew wind into your face. Your eyes are very irritated. You start blinking. <laughs> Does it smell? No, just wind. <laughs> it's a minor, a minor annoyance. Mm. Wow, I feel like I have dry eyes all of a sudden. Come, let's go see his room. Let's let's become acquainted with the child. Yes, I, I will. I will take you myself. Clarity on the money. As sad as it is that your child is missing, I am also here to be hired to do a job. Yes, uh, of course, of course, payment. Uh, you have come a long way, and I offer you a thousand gold each on the safe return of Victor. Or perhaps your pick of item from my personal arsenal. In this world, does that seem like a tidy sum? Yeah. <laughs> it's not Aspara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how money works here. That's only a thousand nights in a hotel. That's getting me to like three years. What is from that now. Canadian? What's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the exchange like rate? The exchange rate's not good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that seems that seems doable. All right. Agreed. To the room. The Baroness will take you to, to Victor's room. I lean over to Malik. Maybe twice the amount if only half of us come back. Uh, I hold no ill will against the fools, but if they do fall... Anyway, anyway. Let's carry on. The Baroness uh, stays... Uh, will lead you, and she kind of stays close to Dandelion. Obviously, you know, uh, appreciating your your Dandelion's uh, words about about Victor, and will kind of lead the party up, and it is like uh, up uh, the a spiral staircase up this tower to a circular room. Uh, there is one window that is still open. It looks like, and you know, uh, the typical kind of bedroom fare. There's there's a bed. There's a wardrobe. Um, the the covers are kind of like you know thrown aside and, and untidied right nobody has, has been up here to tidy up anything this windows it look pretty big like big enough for a human to go out of yes a- absolutely large enough for for a humanoid to fit through yeah uh, I'll walk over by the window and look out does it overlook the forest from where we are uh, yes it does. Is it large enough for a winged creature to have come in? Uh, I mean, again, like a per- like Malak could fit through the window. Does Malak have wings? <laughs> <laughs> Did Malak take Victor? <laughs> we solved <Probably>. it. <laughs> it's solved. Let's go collect our money. I have him here. 
He's he's in the closet. I stuck him in there a while ago. <laughs> the dots are really connecting here quite quickly. Ravina would like to investigate the yeah. I don't know. I want to roll something. <laughs> sure, roll roll me, roll, roll me an investigation. Roll me an investigation, absolutely. 16. Okay. So, uh where are you looking in particular like around the window or uh, like around the bed or or Speci- anywhere specific you want to examine? Uh, the bed. The bed where he was sleeping. Uh, a- again, the, the covers themselves are, are untidied, like, rustled, like as if they've been, been, like, thrown aside. And you do see what's uh, in the... Uh, kind of almost obscured by one of the pillows. It looks like there's uh, three, like, claw marks, like, slashes in the sheet. Um, there's no sign of uh, blood or anything uh, anywhere that you can detect. But in a configuration that's like talons versus a dagger. Correct, yeah. Like three like parallel uh, slashes into the bedding. I will point that out to everybody. Mm. There's many beasts that could do such things. This one seems large enough to carry off a small child. Hmm. What's this Palaboys under the mattress? <laughs> <laughs> He's not quite old enough for that. Not my Victor. Not my Victor. <laughs> Could I do a survival check to see if I can figure out what kind of creature may have made the claw marks? Sure. 13. Difficult to tell. It looks fairly nondescript. Um, there's, like, you don't... Again, now that they've been pointed out, you can examine them yourself, right? There, like, there doesn't look like there's any type of residue left behind or, you know, from the slashes. Um, again, there's no sign of blood or, or anything or, or like, anybody having sustained an injury or anything. So, uh, difficult to tell exactly, like, what type of creature made this, this mark. These slashes, they look like they could be, oh, I don't know, an eagle or a hawk or a wolf or a bear or a badger. When I keep listing animals that it could be and the the baroness is like shaking her head and like as you go on and on she like puts her hands over her ears like clearly in distress oh dear do no i'm sorry there's there's no blood so that means probably he's not hurt yes yeah probably uh do you have any quarrels with beasts in this land no what do you mean i you know people that... In the forest. Yeah. Creatures, beasts ever come out into the town and attack the town or anything. Or perhaps druids that are very powerful and can fly. No, no. We... we, we <laughs> nothing comes out of, out of... Nothing goes in or nothing comes out of the forest. The, the walls deter anything that may come into the city. Ah. They would have to be very powerful druids to be able to fly. Very, very, very powerful. Hmm. Or moderately gifted magicians. Please, please. And the Baroness will kind of walk over to, like, a, a chest of, of, like, toys and, like, knickknacks. And, like, hold out items to each of you to, to you know, handle and, and uh, acquaint yourselves with. Please, please. And she holds up the kind of this stuffed bunny. This, this was Victor's favorite as a child. And she hands it to Dandelion. I will carry this with us. And when we find him, I will give him this bunny to comfort him. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I sniff the toy to get it sent. Mm-hmm. Don't be gross. Makes sense. 
It's, not, it's, it's a thing we do. It's fine. Yes. As a, as a hunter, it's always good to know what your prey smells like. Or what you're trying to find. I feel like we could navigate these woods uh, with some difficulty. I've seen worse. We need to get moving. Yes, I am eager to enter the forest. If we could take some food, some rations, some supplies with us, it'd be helpful. Yes, I'm sure my husband will set you up with any additional supplies you may need. Any steeds available? I mean, the the, the force is rather thick. I don't know that they would do you any good. Okay, okay. Is there any passage to the forest, roads or such? Yeah, where's the best Where's the best trail? There, as I said, no one goes into the, the forest. Where we're going, we don't need roads. Ah, <laughs> uh, she's right. Good one, Dandelion. Shall we? Let's go. Then let's be off. Okay, so you uh, absolutely will be set up with like additional rations. Um, are there any like specific requests that you may want? If you would like horses, you can certainly request horses. Does do the people there know that the forest is like dense and packed? That you could it would make you travel slower on a horse. Yeah, like if they said that, I'd be like, nah. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the question. If there's no roads, I don't think a horse is going to. We will only need uh, three horses, actually. Don't need any horses, do we? Yeah, we're going to forget the horses. It's too dense, they said. Oh. That's too bad. Do pay attention, Grundle. Keep up. It's hard. He's all the way down there. That is a very good point. This land that we're in, the forest area, do we know it's vast? I mean, it's not something you can get on a ship, hire a ship, and sort of go up the coastline and, and go around, or is it just a massive forest that would, you know, take days to navigate through? Yeah, as far as you know, like the position of Gullham is essentially because of the scope of the forest is like landlocked. It's probably best to start from where the tower is and go into the forest from there. I agree. Agreed. That way. Dandelion just keeps on thinking smart. So you've been you kind of been handed off to 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 Jerome, the, the Seneschal. So you don't want horses, just to be clear. No horses. No. No, it's too right. dense. I'll no. believe them. Yeah, yeah, like you 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 are told like you're like every time you ask, well why, why, okay, why don't you each roll me an insight check here? Grendel can make his own horse, I'll have you know. Seventeen for Malik. Eighteen for Ravina. Twelve for Dandelion. What color dice do you think Grendel uses? Brown. Mm-hmm. Brown? <laughs> yeah. Hairy, brown. itchy ones. Yeah. I don't think I have brown dice. <laughs> I have a dark I have a dark red, that'll do. It's kind of a maroon. Sixteen. Even with the with the lowest is twelve, right? Even with the with as low as twelve. It's it's like whenever you ask about the forest specifically, like you're not getting much information in return. Uh, it's like it's like you're getting a, a, a lack of information, but it doesn't feel like facts are being obscured from you. It just feels like who, who, everyone you speak to about the forest, it's like they don't know it. They just don't know any more information about it. So it's, it's not as if people are, are trying to you know, not be truthful with what to expect. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. Yeah. It's too dangerous. That would explain why everything here is made out of stone, is they do not dare to enter the forest. Hmm. 
Mm. Even the outskirts. Hmm. Jerome, are you the one who sent sent us these messages? Uh, Yes, in fact, I am. How did you do it? How did you know how big our pockets were? How did you make the pop? (laughs) Mine wasn't in my pocket. (laughs) I will say, uh, I do not need to know how big your pockets are. I look down at Grundle. See? Pocket size is of no consequence. I can't comprehend such trickery. A useless skill. I did not know that there was a pop. I imagine that would be a side effect of the instantaneous transport of physical matter. And how many invitations did you send out? At least four. He pauses and and smiles. As the Baron said, you were each hand-selected. I like, my eyes are like half-closed and I'm kind of like just looking at him. Like almost a glare, (laughs) but not quite. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's 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 clear that that's not the truth. Yeah. Uh, okay, so who is going to be taking the divining rod? Dandelion will actually take it before anybody else even gets a chance to even think about taking it. That's fine. We're just rangers. We don't know anything. Yeah. I look down at her, and then I, I look over at Ravina. We'll let her go first. <laughs> so the uh, Jerome will hand you this uh, stick. When you take it, you get a better, kind of a better look at it. It is still, it looks like like this kind of twisted uh, twig, but at the the very tip of it, where it kind of, and it does come to a point, looks like there, it's like a, a, a small crystal of some, like a dark purple quartz or, or fluorite, perhaps, uh, embedded in the tip. And on the handle of it, like a, at the bottom of where, like your hand would cover where this uh, little symbol is. There's a three-pointed star with straight lines coming off of each of the inverse vertices. The Seneschal explains that that symbol, like that's what the the Victor's tattoo looks like. It's like matching symbols. So when you find Victor, Victor will have this tattoo on him. That's how you'll know for sure that it's Victor. Hmm. Where on him? His lower back, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Look to his upper neck, hidden by his hair. You show this rod to Victor, and he will show you the mark to prove his identity. Let's make haste. Take us to where we can enter the forest. You are taken to a... It's not even it's not even a gate in this wall, right? Like there it, it's it's like a it's like a mandor in the middle of this like 30 foot high high perimeter wall of the city. It almost looks like like it looks like it's half obscured too, right? Like it's made to meant it's meant to look like it's part of this wall. Uh, it's clearly not a passageway that's used often if at all. And you know as Jerome kind of pulls on it like the the squeak and grinding of rusted hinges, right, to open this passageway through through the the city's perimeter wall. So it makes a weird noise, and Jeff shows up with a mop. <laughs> Doesn't make a poof. No Jeff. No. Jeff. No. no Jeff. Jeff. Back to the boat. <laughs> I really hope Jeff shows up out in the forest. Oh, oh he will. Where there is a poof in the forest, there is a Jeff to clean it up. <laughs> no rain, nor sleet, nor snow will keep a Jeff from his poof. <laughs> As you step across the threshold, out of the city limits, and officially into the Blackwood Forest, 
the trees here, they look as if they're like standard redwoods. And you would have seen this obviously from, from uh, Victor's tower or bedroom. The height of the trees, like deeper into the woods, they loom far ha- taller than Victor's tower, like two to 300 feet tall at some of the, the mightiest of, of the trees. The ground you're stepping into is just covered in brambles. It doesn't look like there's any clear path cut into where you're stepping into. Like there's no, there's no obvious walkways or anything. It doesn't even look like there's any types of like game trails that you can detect. And it's almost like immediately stepping into the the forest, like as if someone has like snuffed out a snuffed out a lantern. It's just pitch black under here in the canopy the canopy of the horse above you it's just like a, a starless black sky essentially there's you can see nothing above you i take a deep breath <sighs> and i go to the nearest tree and i just give it a hug and rub on it so i have a skill called natural explorer uh, i have a favored terrain type of forest and swamp actually minus forest and underdark so let's do this you have a favored train type. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for the... That's not... While traveling for an hour or more in the chosen train, difficult train doesn't slow your group's travel. Your group can't become lost except by magical means. Uh, you remain alert to danger even when you are engaged in another activity. You can move more stealthily at a normal pace. Better tracking of creatures... So, I mean, a black forest sounds like a dark forest. Unfortunately, it seems your abilities, uh, Malak and Ravina, are near useless within the Blackwood Forest. <sighs> Even after that kind of hour of travel, um, as uh, Dandelion, uh, are you using the Divining Rod? Do you have it in your hand? Like, have you tested it out? Trying, yes, trying it. Okay. I mean, you being in possession of Victor's, like, favorite child of the toy is, like, more than adequate enough for you to, like, hone in on on Victor. And you feel like a tug. I mean, it's not, like, a physical tug, but, you know, you, you, you almost, like, feel yourself being pulled in the direction, a direction, into the Blackwood Forest. I'm actually holding the bunny, like, the bunny's hands in my hands, and the bunny's hands are on the wand with my hands. So the bunny and I are both holding onto the wand. Rod. Whatever. <laughs> Stick. You want to hold a rod or a wand? Mm-hmm. It's up to you. <laughs> so the, uh, sorry, back to the, back to the trees. Dandelion, as you were like wrapping yourself around them, like they, they're clearly not like normal trees. Their bark is like pitch black. Is it worse than their bite? <laughs> Far worse than their bite. <laughs> I mean, Danny Lane, you must assume you are very familiar with, like, the natural texture of, of the bark of a tree. Mm-hmm. When you really kind of put your hands on it, it, it feels, uh, like, much more resilient and, and stiff and, like, uh, hardened almost. Like, almost as if you were, like, touching stone. This tree does not feel like a tree. Mm, you're right. It's cold to the touch. Like... Like stone. Like the life has been sucked out of it. Hmm. I take out my hand axe and... What? No! Hit onto it to see. I pay no mind to her as she 
blathers, and I hit and see if it cuts like a tree or does it feel like stone? Why don't you roll me an attack? Oh, you poor tree. What have you done? Gotta get my hand axe out. Thirteen. You miss. <laughs> as you strike out, <laughs> I mean, you actually did not get to the AC of the tree, but as your hand axe <laughs> hits the tree, the blade shatters. The head of your axe just shatters against it. This is uh, this is not natural. This is some kind of magic. That is not right. Whoa, what is happening? Serves you right. How dare you try and, and hurt one of these glorious beings. Oh, we were performing an experiment. There's other ways to test things. Okay. Shall I try the hand axe out on you next time? I sort of huff, throw the handle of the hand axe down onto the ground and remove it from my inventory. <laughs> <laughs> Grundle would like to walk up to one of the trees and kind of just rap on it with a knuckle. Does it sound hollow? Does it sound solid? It does sound solid. Can I give it a quick sniff? Sure. <laughs> what does it smell like? Uh, you actually don't get the smell of anything. Like you, you know, you, like you're not getting like an earthy or like a woody smell from it. it. It almost seems like it's inert. Okay. I would like to lick it. How does it taste? Can you make me a wisdom saving throw, please? <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I have advantage on wisdom saving throws against magic. Um, I like where I like where this um is going. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not. It's not magic. Okay, you have advantage. Yeah, you have advantage. <laughs> Perfect, because I rolled a nine. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I rolled another nine. What are the freaking odds? <laughs> now they're both nines. Ah, wisdom. 13. As your tongue makes contact with the tree, it's like you you're it's like you're hearing it's like you're hearing a reverberation through your tongue. And like you so you pull away right and then what you've taken into your mouth now kind of absorbing, you know, your saliva starts to break it down. This this residue kind of on this outside of it. You regard the the tree as if it is like a thing of your nightmares. You are frightened of this tree and are f- compelled to flee from it for a minute. Oh my goodness! Oh my it's it's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Run everybody. Turn turn around. Run. We need to leave. Run. Just stay put, little man. It's a tree. I sprint away from the tree. Ah, we're going to lose him, guys. Follow follow Grundle. I guess follow Grundle. So Grendel sprints off and just disappears into the woods. Now, for the rangers, now, so so you can't be lost, right? You, you and your group can't become lost except by magical means. Then never mind. <laughs> but I will say, I will, I will say, your um, the ability where you avoid the difficult terrain is is applicable. So you're not hampered by the bramble movement because of the two of you because of your specialty with the forest clearly though you've been let then say you, you have been wandering for about an hour an hour and a half you would expect that you would know the direction to get back to Gullham. but the two of you have no idea which way the city is which is obviously very odd for the two of you 
Grundle would like to cast Gust um, to propel himself more quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great show. We should all get together on the Discord. The link's on the website, corrigibleparty.com, and I know they appreciate the Patreon donations. That paranoia playthrough was so funny, don't you think? What? The ambient sounds? Oh, that's from tabletopaudio.com. It really set the mood. But the intro and outro music was from Josh Jarvis. Really should send him a message at jamesmercymusic at gmail.com. Oh, we all know that none of this will be possible but without the wonderful Critical at Design, their biggest sponsor. Right, right, right. Yes, well. Some of us need to get up in the morning. Have a safe drive. <sighs> I thought they'd never leave. This has been a Sounds of Steel production.